This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Recently, First Lady Michelle Obama unveiled the new nutrition labels that will be appearing on the packaging of food items going forward. The biggest piece to this changes was the focus on sugars in the labeling. To explain more about this and the other changes we're going to see, we're joined in the studio by Karen Glanz, who's a professor at the Perelman School of Medicine. She's also director of the University of Pennsylvania Prevention and Research Center. And also with us here in the studio, Wharton Marketing Lecturer Jason Reese. As always, great to see both of you. Thanks for coming in. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh, Karen, the, these we've talked about this for a while, but these are changes that, that really needed to be made. And for a lot of people to understand, these are going off of data that hadn't been updated since the 1970s and 1980s. Well, actually, the um, the yes, yes to the first comment. Yeah. And the food label has been updated and revised. Um, a number of times, but not with this particular emphasis. These, these are things that have been called for for, as you point out, probably decades. Um, the emphasis to make it easier to identify calories, to use a, a metric for servings that's more realistic to what people actually eat, um, and to um, put in information on added sugars, which is particularly um a problem. I was going to say, is that probably the biggest one, the biggest change to this time around? I think I think those three things okay. actually all really go together. Jason, in terms of the companies and the marketing uh, of this, how does it change their philosophy, except for the fact that they have to kind of redesign the, the labeling that they're putting on their packaging? Yeah, the labeling and possibly other kinds of reformulation, not just in packaging, but in the product itself. They may want to try to bring down calorie amounts and sugar amounts or more aggressively launch low-calorie options. Um, They're always going to be concerned about the kinds of claims that they can potentially make. Um, And it may also change interest in front-of-package labels as well, which has been a, 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 a trend industry has volunteered some efforts on that front, especially in the beverage industry, but we haven't had anything legislated recently. What are the biggest changes then for, let's start with like soda companies, uh, Coke, Pepsi, those type of companies. Uh, I mean, because sugars are, are really the one kind of piece to this puzzle that they would probably like to hide as much as possible. Yeah, and the sugar amounts are pretty staggering. And, and the thing is, almost everybody has heard versions of this, that a full-size can of Coca-Cola has, what is it, eight or ten teaspoons of sugar. Yeah. But it's kind of easy to bury that fact in the back of your mind and go on just letting your kids have a Coke or two a day. Um, but the thought is that with increased emphasis on the amounts of added sugar, that it'll just be a constant reminder for people that this really is what we're doing. And the effects on dental care, the increased risk of type 2 diabetes, and the direct implications for obesity, because when you're you're consuming all this added sugar, you're possibly not eating other foods that are more nutritious and more filling, and it usually ends up just being added calories. And that's, again, something that needs to be reinforced, again, is the fact that the the medical effects, Karen, on this this type of move, the idea is long-term to really change the diet and the habits of a lot of people across the United States. Right. The I mean, the purpose of the Nutrition Facts label has always been stated as uh, enabling people to make informed decisions about what they eat, about what they purchase. 
Um, you know, that all hinges on whether people actually use it and whether they can actually understand what's on the label yeah. and whether it's easy to see and digest. I mean, like Jason mentioned, the you know, front of pack, one of the things about that is it's an, it's right in front of you. You don't have to turn the thing around and, you know, bring out your reading glasses. Well, but that's interesting because, you know, some of the uh, of those labels are obviously put on the sides of packages because they want to be hid. By, right. by the companies. And that was even, I'm sure, a negotiated thing between the food industry and the government, you know, over the course of, uh, of many years. I, I, I'm personally of the belief that, you know, it would be great someday to be able to see a food packaging label on the front of a package. So it's literally right there because I get the feeling sometimes that that people don't think about a lot more people do think about it now. But yeah. I still think there's millions and millions of people that don't consider looking at the label. You're absolutely right. And, and, you know, as Jason mentioned, the beverage industry has started at least putting some calories on uh, the front of the package. Part of this this long story is that there have been some industry efforts to put front of pack labels on that are more for marketing purposes yeah. than for informational purposes. And the FDA put the brakes on that and, and said you can't do that because they would say things like no trans fats for a food that never had – trans fats in it to begin with, with, making it seem like it was a a healthy thing. So it's kind of gone round in circles. It's also um, one of the previous iterations, and and I can't tell you exactly what year, but I'd say probably 15 or 20 years ago, the emphasis was on communicating about fat in the products. Now that's kind of been ramped down in lieu of sugar. And a lot of people blame all the ballyhoo about lower fat foods for the increase in sugar in our processed foods. I'd be interested to know in, in has, because obviously in some cities, uh, we've had this push to add calorie counts to menus in, in restaurants and obviously fast food restaurants. I wonder, are, are Jason, are you starting to hear research from, from other sources that are saying that these types of, uh, of efforts are really starting to make a difference? Well, that's not entirely clear. Some of the early studies suggested that there wasn't actually a huge effect, at least in the year or so after calories went on menus. Uh, Karen has done some work showing that it may actually be leading uh, uh, industry food makers to reformulate uh, some of their their products. And that may be part of the mechanism, the way in which these transparent labels work. I think another place that it could potentially work is with chefs and other people working in food service. Uh, taking more seriously concerns about calories and sugar, rather than rather than trying to um, add sort of healthy healthy or healthish coatings like natural, organic, non-GMO, which have really not been shown to have any implications for health. But the the sugar and calorie stories are pretty clear by now, health wise. Karen, yeah, I, I agree completely. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call, 844-942-7866. I kind of wanted to do my own little kind of survey here in the next 20 minutes. If people out there listening to us, do you actually look at the labels? Do you look at the calorie intake on these labels? Do you look at the sugars? Do you actually do this? And does it affect your purchasing? 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call right now. This push, though, I mean, the idea is to try and make the United States and and make our communities a much healthier situation because we're still talking about a, a large amount of people that are overweight in, in America right now. Right. Um, you know, since this became 
a matter for a lot of public discussion, I would say, in the last 10 to 15 years, we've made only tiny bits of progress in maybe reducing the increase in obesity in certain cities, according to the data. And that's over a fairly short period of time, and it may be a little blip. We don't know. So we haven't really done very well. It seems like portion sizes and total energy or calorie intake is a big part of that. So if these labels can nudge things in that direction and or nudge the industry to um, reformulate foods that will sell that people will buy, but that will be less high calorie than that could move things without necessarily depending on people's conscious decision making. I guess part of it is also the mindset of a lot of these companies out there, whether it be food companies or, or, or drink companies as well, is that if in fact they do have to reformulate some sort of a product, like it, Jason brought in a couple of examples right here, uh, a can of Coke, a can of uh, a Pellegrino and a, and a bottle of Gatorade. If Gatorade has to reformulate in any way, shape or form to lower their, their calorie counts, uh, they may have to spend money at the outset, but in the end, they may, if they come up with the right, with the right formula, it, it will be a positive in the end for them as a company. Yeah, I mean, industry is is reformulating and uh, working. It has the chemists working overtime, yeah. no matter what, regardless of whether they're food labels or not. They're always trying to make foods taste better, be more appealing, to get that little edge, to have people make people want to eat more, actually. Yeah. Um, and in this case, if they have to do it to, you know, fit in and to not look so bad on a nutrition facts label, then that could be a good thing for the public's health. But, yeah. But I mean, they, they would like to be doing this on as part of a longer term trend so they, they can have long projects and don't have to turn things around yeah. in, in six months and launch a new product because the reformulation yeah. is one side of it. Dan, you mentioned the marketing and the reformulation has to work with the marketing because right. reformulating isn't just adding less sugar. It's making sure you're creating a product that's going to be stable on the shelf and the people will still like the taste of and buy to the same degree that they were buying before. So these are these are big projects and industry has a right to be pushing back and saying, this is going to take a lot of effort. Let's not deny that. Um, but, you know, as Karen said, the, the health trends are so worrying and just haven't changed sufficiently that it's certainly understandable why Public health groups and the government are putting pressure to to ramp this up and speed it up. Again, uh, if you're out there listening to us, have have the changes in these labels over the last 20 years, have they affected how you purchase? Do you look at them? Do you go away from a particular item because of the calorie count or because of the amount of sugar in there? 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. The interesting thing is one of the articles I read over the weekend talked about Changes that Kraft made to their macaroni and cheese, their Kraft mac and cheese, and they didn't say anything for quite a while because they were worried that the consumers who like Kraft mac and cheese the way it's been would go away from it. And, you know, it was, I guess, a period of five, six months before they actually said something to the public. Yeah, I mean, that that's absolutely right. And there's there's a lot of research going back many years showing that people's intuitions about what tastes good uh, go in the direction of more salt and more sugar. Yeah. Uh, and, and indeed, that's probably true. So that's why in a lot of cases, industry is not shouting about some of the changes they made. And when it comes to salt, sodium, uh, the, the decrease, it wasn't just craft. Many, many industry players have been doing this and they've been doing it stealthily is the term that they sometimes use. Karen? 
Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot over, you know, decades and decades where the industry has increased our taste for, in particular, salt and sugar by having it be in the processed foods. In other words, it's not like pouring sugar sure, yeah. on into your soda, you know, glass. And, um, and, you know, and this going in reverse is is easily missed. Yeah, you, you know, it's not that noticeable, but there is this fear of a stigma that if you say so, you're doing something to make the food more healthy, that people are going to think you're making it less tasty. But wouldn't, it, wouldn't that kind of normally be the, I mean, you think from a company's perspective, if they're trying to, you know, talk... They're marketing a new version of, of a product that has been very successful. You would almost think most companies wouldn't say something right from right from the outset just to, you know, get it in the marketplace and have people thinking basically it's the same old thing, yet it's a little healthier or has a few less calories or that type of approach. Yeah. And, and we have seen that done with salt. With the lower amounts of sugar, I haven't heard any anecdotes about that, just stealthily lowering the amounts of sugar or calorie counts. Usually those industry is shouting about. Um, then again, the calorie reductions are usually more dramatic. Gatorade going from whatever the calories are in this bottle that I brought in, uh, 80. In the regular Gatorade, in their G2, the low-calorie one, it's something like 20 or 30. Yeah. Coke Zero is obviously zero calories. It is interesting, though, as I asked you coming in, Karen, You know when these are all going to take effect. And companies are going to have a couple of years Basically, to put the put these new labels on yeah. it, and, and realistically, I don't think the size of the label is going to be that much different. You know, the the calorie number, I guess, is going to be a little bit bigger. You you're adding a line for sugars, but realistically, the the, the labels themselves aren't that much different. What we'll see going forward than what we have right now, correct? No, they. I mean, to someone who's not that interested, they're not going to scream out and grab them. Right. Um, they have until the end of July, twenty eighteen. Uh, for large companies, and another year is allowed for smaller companies on the assumption that it's a more expensive, you know, part of their business model to uh, to to make these changes. These are on processed packaged foods, and I think that's the important thing. Yeah. So as things go off the shelf, the, these will start to come into play much sooner than two okay. years from now. But that's a deadline that industry has to comply with. So companies will realistically be already starting this process now. And by the time that they get the new label sized right and into their packaging, it could be, you know, the middle of next year. Right. Something like that. Right. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. The, the, the companies themselves, though, in terms of the marketing of this new approach, This has obviously been a battle that has gone on back and forth for quite some time between the government and and a lot of these companies. And I guess you understand the the approach of the companies to some degree that they want to put this off as much as possible. But again, going back to something we talked about, the push to be healthy, that's something that is across the United States right now in a lot of venues. Why wouldn't they want to jump on board in a little quicker fashion, as fast as they possibly can? Yeah, well, it's partly because there are easier ways to jump on the health bandwagon with terms that we discussed before, natural, organic, healthy. Sugar has tried to position itself as as natural, and sure, to some extent it is, but natural and and healthish and and organic do not necessarily predict better health. The stuff that's really hard to do is to get us to eating smaller portions uh, with lower calories and smaller amounts of sugar. That's that's not an easy thing for marketers to create, and it's not an easy thing for consumers to do. Most people know that 
to, to turn the, the weight gain around, you've got to start eating fewer calories. That's yeah. not a secret. And these labels aren't, gonna, aren't, aren't revealing anything as dramatic as that. Um, but what we're really trying to change are habits over, over long periods of time. Um, and getting consumers making those small changes, is that's a hard thing for industry to actually take on. I mean, I think the smaller, I'm, I'm pointing here at one of the smaller sizes of sugared soda, the seven and a half ounce uh, versus, versus 12 ounce. Took, it took the beverage industry a long time to start pushing those aggressively in terms of their distribution. Yeah. I, think, I think it came too late. And there's, there's, I don't think much doubt, Karen, that there are places here in the United States, parts of the country where that habit, that lifestyle, that's something that's very hard to break. I mean, it's been ingrained, the, the eating styles of a lot of places around the United States for hundreds of years. You can't just change that overnight. You would love to be able to, but it's just not, it's, it's just a hard thing to break. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I mean, this is one piece of the puzzle, individual behavior, motivation, information and you can't you know if you don't have the information you can't take the individual motives to try to eat healthier but does everyone want to eat healthier where does that fit in their lives yeah. plus the communities that surround them and I, and I want to add one other thing which is that okay there's been industry pushback and debate you know to get to the point of having these rules but there's also disagreement among scientists about what should be on these labels and so far, I think since we haven't really put them out, they haven't been tested in the real world yeah. as far as the difference they make. One of the issues that um, has been controversial among scientists is this portion size issue. Uh, the, the fear that uh, putting a, a more realistic portion size, like instead of five potato chips, 10 potato chips, let's say, yeah. uh, on the package as a portion size, that some people will take that as a recommendation to eat more. Yeah. And, that it could cause that kind of confusion. I mean, they're not. They're they're still not totally dummy proof, shall we say? Yeah. So we're we're clear on on roughly how much is okay and what people ought to be eating. But this is really a communication issue. Right. How do you place the right amount of emphasis on a certain portion size to change behavior? The labels you hope will have some kind of incremental effect and maybe change a little bit what industry does, what food preparers do, what teachers talk about. Um, but it really is a communication story, and it's tricky. Well, and it is kind of interesting you mentioned the schools because the schools have had such a big push in the last several years to make sure that what they are serving to kids on a daily basis is a lot more healthy. You know, it's not going to be 100% you know, perfect you know, across mm -hmm. the board from a, from a cost perspective, but it is a lot better than what it was when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I think I think the old Salisbury steak or the mystery meat is no longer in in, in a school's vernacular anymore. Right. right. But th that that is absolutely correct. And, and again, that's been a sea change over the last five to 10 years. Um, dare I say some of it in this administration that has finally kind of leaped forward. But it's uh, it gives us pause because there's also a downside to that as budgets have become tight and funding becomes tight. Um the healthy, attractive, tasty food that we've shown that kids will eat yeah. if you put it in front of them is not going out to all schools. You can, we can One example is locally here in Philadelphia. Uh, to save money, they no longer have uh, cooks and, and kitchens in each school. It it's produced somewhere 
at a you know large company and trucked into the schools, and it's not quite as attractive and tasty as it would be if it was made fresh. So it's going to be a continuing challenge to get kids to want to eat the food that's healthier by guidelines. 844-942-7866 is the number. Join us in the conversation. We're talking about the changes in nutrition labels coming forward. Uh, the announcement uh, about a week and a half ago by uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, 844-942-7866. And do food labels really change your purchasing when you go to the grocery store or when you go to a restaurant? 844-942-7866. In terms of the reformulation of some of these these products, how quickly or how often, I guess I should say, do companies reformulate? Or I mean, I'm guessing they're always kind of playing with things just to to see if they hit on something that you know is either a could be a new product or b could be a better version of a of a product that they already sell. Correct. Correct. Uh, I mean, the reformulations, like you say, are, are being worked on continuously. It's. I think there's a tremendous amount of variation by company, and it's really the the big mega food companies that are are going to have the biggest impact. And not all those changes are to make foods healthier or to reduce the sugar, the sodium. Um, one project that we're working on, which is looking at different kinds of products in the supermarket and how you can nudge people toward the healthier or lower calorie versions, we just found that. Uh, some frozen meals have, for, that were one of the categories we we're focusing on from a major manufacturer, I don't want to call them out, have <laughs> changed, and there are actually more calories in them than there were a year ago. Uh, they've done something. They've done their consumer taste testing, and they are assuming nobody's going to you know, mind that there's 40 more calories in that little cheap dinner that they're buying. But I guess it really does, in the end, it really does fall on the consumer to take the time. Look at the label and 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 have at least a cursory understanding of, of what it means to have X amount of calories or what the the serving size is. If you have at least a little bit of information, then you can kind of take the next couple of steps forward. Yeah, but it's those next couple of steps that are the hard ones. Yeah. Uh, changing actual behavior. You know, you ask most people, is sugared soda healthy? Um, I actually did a survey of this, and perhaps to no no big surprise, 100% of people think that sugared soda is unhealthy, and yet most of us drink it. So the, the battle really is on the portion and the amount, and that's a, that is just a really tricky one to change. Karen? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would agree 100% on that. Um, I think that people's tastes and, and, you know, the competing interests that people have doesn't always get them to put first – making that healthy food choice. There's also the the sense of eating out or having treats that that plays into a lot of this. Um, not maybe not everybody drinks that sugary soda every day, yeah. but they every other day they say that's like my treat. That's my, you know, a little sugar rush boost in the afternoon and so they do that. Um People need something to substitute that they're satisfied with, that doesn't cost them more, yep. and that meets their hedonistic needs, their does, taste. Does it get harder and harder? Uh, uh, I, I, I know it because, you know, with three kids, I'm running around Little League and, you know, you can imagine. I mean, it does feel like it's harder to be able to focus sometimes on the healthy eating just because of our lifestyles. 
uh, of the running around and, and all the different things and families with, you know, two, three jobs to be able to, to get by on ends meet these days. Yeah, the food industry's done an incredible job the last 30 years of making food easier and more convenient uh, for our busy lifestyles. The challenge is doing that and making it healthy, and that's the bit that we haven't yet mastered. Karen? Yeah, I think it, it takes planning and, and conscious prioritization in order for people to take advantage of. Frankly, there are plenty of healthy, convenient, or lower-calorie yeah. products out there. But you you gotta look for them. They may not be as market as much marketed as like regular sugary coke. The nice thing is, once you put that effort in for a few months, it then becomes habitual and easy. You know where to find the stuff. You know what to make things quickly that yeah. are that are healthy. But at first, there's no question. It's it's effort. And a lot of those companies that that have the that are those healthier options. They're fighting a battle against these bigger companies, which have the bigger marketing budgets, and they have the money to be able to spend, add money on the Super Bowl and the World Series yeah. and primetime TV. And, and it just becomes it, it becomes a, an internal fight within the food industry themselves. That's true, but there are plenty of companies that sell both types of products. Right. So as long as people buy one or the other, they'll be happy. I mean, if you take an example like Coke, you have Coke. Diet Coke, and they also own the bottled water Dasani. Yeah. So they'd be happy yeah. for you to buy any of these, but they kind of know what's selling the most, and so they lay their most marketing dollars in that direction. And let's not forget fruit and vegetables, which are not marketed as aggressively as packaged foods, but uh, are, of course, incredibly healthy. And, yeah. uh, and Americans are eating, what is it, about half the amounts that, that we're Still. supposed to? Yeah. 844-942-7866 is the number for comments. Patty is in Detroit, Michigan. Patty, welcome. Hi. Um, I have a, a question. Um, I hope I, I kind of tuned in a little late. Sorry, but if I might have missed it. But are they going to do anything on the labels as far as more accurately depicting trans fats? I notice sometimes that it'll say zero grams, but then you go to the ingredients, you read the fine print, and there's that hydrogenated oils and stuff, which, of course, that's, you know, adds the trans fats. But when I've called the 800 numbers for companies, They'll tell me, oh, it's less than a gram. We don't have to report it. So it's not on the label, but it's there in the fine print. Well, what you're saying is exactly right. Um, trans fats is, does have its own line on the new labels. So that information yeah, well, is it's there. Had it, it's had it already. But yeah, but if it's less than a gram, it's not going to be labeled. That, again, is based on the facts that, that at that tiny, tiny amount, it's a it's very low in potential harm when it's eaten. Yeah, but isn't it cumulative? Well, I suppose if you were to eat, you know, way, way more than what people should be eating in a day, it would be possible that you consume a substantial amount of trans fats. But, but that's still a pretty negligible amount. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, t to me, it would seem like you would want to at least put, you know, a little less than one gram or something just to have a little more a little more truth in what's really in there so you don't have to go into the fine print. Uh, I think that's a fair comment, and I would not be at all surprised to say that it came about as a compromise. 
Patty, thanks very much for the call. And, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of this is is compromised between the food industry and and and, uh, and the government, and it's going to continue to be compromised as, as we go uh, as we go down the road. Great to see you both again. Thanks very much. Thank you, Karen, sure. Jason. Great to have you both. Karen Glanz, uh, director of the University of Pennsylvania Prevention and Research Center, also a professor at the Perelman School, and also joining us, Wharton uh, marketing lecturer Jason Reese. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.